morning, Lake House Church. Are you ready to get into God's Word today? We serve an awesome God. And today's message, I've been ready to preach this message all week long. I almost preached it to somebody at Chick-fil-A on Thursday. And, uh, <laughs> but it's talking about waking up our greatness. Waking up our greatness. Say there's greatness inside of me. Say it, come on. There's, there's greatness inside of me. See, some people don't feel that there's greatness inside of you, but there is greatness inside of you. Before I get started, I want to tell you that we've been talking about Isaiah 60, Arise and Shine, and, and how God has given us that verse. You know, speaking of Arise, when I was, I was raised in Florida, and there always used to be, when I was a kid, they'd say, it's 11 o'clock, do you know where your children are? Well, that's what they would say in Florida. In Georgia, they would say, it's 11 o'clock, do you know where your dogs are? <laughs> And in Tennessee, they'd say, it's 11 o'clock. Do you know what time it is? So, uh, it's time to wake up. So we've been looking at Isaiah 60 about arise and shine. And if you've been a part of any of the sermons over the last several weeks, it's talking about how God is asking us to arise and to shine. Shine being not our own works, because just like uh, I was walking this week with one of the kids and we looked at the moon. I don't know if you noticed the moon this week has been absolutely beautiful. But do you remember I said, the moon does not generate any of its own light. It only reflects the sun. And that's the way we are. We're not to reflect our own light. We're to reflect God's love through us to others. And I want to shine like that. I want to walk into a Walmart and they sense that the power of God is in that place because born-again believers are in there shining God's love. We're also talking about arising and, and awaking. Last week I talked to you about how sometimes you'll set an alarm. An alarm is set for the future okay even in the morning we're going to set because there has to be change coming and what i believe is that when god gave us isaiah 60 as our theme scripture he's saying lake house church we need to wake up things are about to change you need to get up you need to start shining and how do we shine we spend time with god we spend time in his presence we spend time in worship we seek him more than anything else in this world there are so many things that will want your attention. There are so many things that will distract you from God's attention. But he wants your heart. He wants your time. So we're going to be looking at about awakening ourselves for greatness. And today we're going to look at Caleb and the children of Israel. Now a little background on this is that the children of Israel had been promised an inheritance. They had been promised a land, but there were giants living in that land. And so they send uh, 12 spies into the land, and 10 of them come back, and 10 of the 12 come back and said, oh, we can't do that. But two of them said, we can do that. God's with us. We can do that. What we're looking at is that Caleb had a different spirit than everyone else around him. We're going to get into God's word in Numbers 14, if you have your Bibles, and we'll also put the scriptures up for you. But Numbers 14, verses 21 through 24. This is what God is saying. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men who have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have put me to the test now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, 
Surely they shall not see the land which I swore to give unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and has followed me fully, fully, him will I bring into the land in which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Now there is one passage right in there that says that Caleb had a different spirit, which means that Caleb had a different attitude. We as the church need to have a different attitude than what's going on in the world. Amen? I mean, the world is going to tell you all the negative and bad things about our economy, about this, there's epidemics, there's flu, there's bird flu, there's Asian flu, there's everything going around. And you know what? When all those reports come in, say, not in this house. Not in this house. Not in my yard. Not in my yard. That's why we have to raise up spiritually and defeat Satan even in our words because what's going to happen is you will be bombarded with bad news today. You may not think it, but you will be bombarded in other ways with bad news. And what you have to have is you have to have a different spirit. You say, no, no, not for me. I'm the blood-bought child of the Most High God. I am the head and not the tail. I'm going to lend and not have to borrow. See, that's the promises that we have to stand on because I'm going to tell you that we do live in a difficult time. There are wars going on. We're fighting wars. There are terrorist groups now that are in the United States. And those terrorist groups want to bring terror to our lives. Just like with the Super Bowl. I went and watched all the security precautions around the Super Bowl. And the commentator even said, the very first Super Bowl had one security guard. <laughs> okay, just one. All right? And he was probably just watching, hey, have a good day, have a good day, have a good day. Now you're going through metal detectors, there's sensors, there's, they had sensors all around the field that were to sense any type of explosive smell or anything. They had dogs, they had enough fencing to go from here to Jersey. I mean, it was just everywhere. And you had to go through the security uh, nightmare to get in just to watch a game. Why? Because there's terrorists out there that want to hurt you. They want to steal kill and destroy your life. Hmm, there's somebody else that wants to do that. I'm trying to remember who it is in my Bible. Oh, that's right. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. There's darkness out there. And unfortunately, we live in this world. We're not of this world, but we're in this world. And we have to be aware of it. The world is getting darker. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5 tells us this. You must understand this, that in the last days there will be violent periods of time. People will be selfish and love money. They will brag. They will be arrogant. They will use abusive language. Has anybody turned on YouTube or Facebook lately? Okay, just wondering. They will curse their parents. They'll show no gratitude. They'll have no respect for what is holy. And they will lack normal affection for their families. And they will refuse to make peace with anyone. They will be slanderous. They will lack control. They will be brutal. They'll have no love for what is good. They will be traitors. They will be reckless. And they will be conceited. They will love pleasure rather than God. But verse 5 is really the kicker of this whole thing. It says, They will appear to have a godly life, but they will not let its power change them. And it says, stay away from such people. You see, there's a lot of imitation good out there, but it's not really good. And a lot of people fall for false teaching. 
they, they, they hear something that they like, but they don't. Does this line up with the Word of God? Is this really clicking with my spirit? I don't know, but it says that I can get rich overnight if I do this. That's not sensing and clicking with your spirit. You see, we're not only in a physical war, we're in a spiritual war as a church, okay? That deserves more than one, come on, okay? We are in a spiritual war. And the natural, now listen to this, the natural is a mirror of what's happening in the spiritual, okay? So what's happening in the natural is a mirror of where we are spiritually. So if you're seeing a decay in our society, and, and just what would have been shocking 10 years ago is now the norm, we're seeing the darkness but we're also seeing the decay of our spiritual. That's why God is asking us to awaken and to arise and to awaken the greatness inside of us. We're at war right now. We're not, we're not talking about war physically. I'm also talking spiritually. And God is calling for us, men and women, to stand up and to be that, that spirit of Caleb at this time. You see, Joel 3, 9, tells us, 9 and 10 tells us this. Proclaim you this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near and let them come up. And beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. And let the weak say, I am strong. Come on. You see, what it's saying is that there are, there are believers that have such a quality of character and such a spiritual fiber that God calls them mighty. You see, when Gideon was, was threshing wheat, he was actually hiding because every time harvest came, invaders would come in and steal their food. So he was literally hiding and had doing this. And the angel of the Lord says, Behold, mighty man of valor. <laughs> and he's in, a, he's in a wine press. This is not where you throw wheat. But he's looking around and he's thinking, I'm the only one in here. Who are you calling mighty? I'm hiding right now. I'm about, I think I'm going to get beat up and my grain stolen, and you're calling me mighty. You see, the Spirit sees in you what the physical doesn't see in you. Okay? God sees the greatness inside of you. You may be focusing on your weakness. People may be pointing out your weaknesses to you. You may be reliving a lot of the weaknesses, but God says, I see the greatness in you. That same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead does dwell in us. So what they are is they're seeing that the church has been asleep. And I looked up the sleep, and asleep says that it's a state of sleep, not being attentive, not being alert, and when it comes to a limb, it says that you're numb. And I thought about that. Have you ever had your leg go to sleep or your arm go to sleep? Has that ever happened to anybody? You know, have you ever slept wrong and your arm went to sleep? I mean, there's no feeling in this. That's not when you decide to go out and play baseball or to do something physical because you're like, man, i got to get my leg back awake, okay? Being asleep is a numbness to what you should be doing. Sleep is a condition of the body and mind in which the nervous system is inactive. The eyes are closed, the posterior muscles relaxed, and consciousness has been practically suspended. That's what being asleep is. Now, I don't care how strong you are spiritually. Maybe you have memorized the whole Bible frontwards and backwards. Maybe when you pray, demons quake, but when you're sleeping, you're inactive. And the church has been asleep. And the church has been inactive. And we're losing generations. 
We're losing generations because the younger generations are not following Christ. They're not seeing any difference in the church. They're seeing a judgmental church, and they're not seeing a loving church. They're expecting the government to take care of all of their needs instead of the church to take care of all their needs. And the church has been asleep, and what's coming is this. When we're asleep, we're no threat to Satan. When we're asleep, we're no threat to Satan. Satan is after our children. He's after everything that is good. He wants to pervert anything that is good. You see, if you read through, Samson was awesome. Samson had strength, and he had the calling of God. But when he was asleep, that's when he was attacked. His hair was cut. His strength was gone. They captured him. Do you remember the story? Remember? They capture Samson. What do they do? They, they, they take his eyes out. They cut his hair. They make him weak, and they throw him in prison. All because he was asleep. Now, there's a sim symbolic there because Samson was asleep spiritually even when he was awake. He was doing things you shouldn't have been doing. For having a call of God in his life, he was doing the wrong things and he was playing with fire and he got burnt. And I believe that the church has quit fighting. I think we've gone into farming and we've quit fighting. And there's nothing wrong with farming, but there's also a time to fight. This is a time to fight. I believe that God is asking us as a church to wake up that spirit of Caleb. For us to wake up the spirit of Joshua. For us to wake up the spirit of Gideon. For us to wake up the spirit of Daniel. You see, when Caleb's time, there were giants. And I'm going to tell you, there will always be giants in your land. There will be giants of doubt. There will be giants of debt. There will be giants of sickness. There will be giants of fear. You have to overcome those giants. When it came to Gideon's time, there were invaders. There were people that were coming in and stealing his wheat when they would harvest. They wanted to keep them in poverty. Satan wants to keep you in poverty. Satan will always try to steal your favor, steal your blessings, steal your finances, steal your health. There will be invaders that will constantly be coming into your life to destroy your life. When Daniel was there, Daniel had to give, uh, there was a go along with the crowd. Bow down to the false idol. It's godly. It was not godly, and he was not going to compromise his standards. What God is calling us to do is to say, I need people that are going to stand up to the giants of this land. They're going to stand up to the invaders of this land. They're going to stand up to the false prophecies and teachings that are taking place, not bowing a knee to everyone. They're going to have that other spirit. They're not going to go along with everybody else. And God has called us to do that. Can I get an amen? While we're pretending Satan is not real, he is stealing our children. I dare you to listen to some of the top ten songs that are popular right now with the youth. I was scanning through, and there was such language on one about what he wanted to do to a young lady in a rap song. I was, I was blushed. And I've, I've rarely been blushed in my life. And I'm thinking, this is being played on the radio. This is what's being poured into the hearts constantly, 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 constantly. This is the way you treat a lady. This is the way you're to be treated. Wrong, okay? There are standards. You are a princess. 
you should be treated as a princess. Men, you should be tra treating those ladies like a princess. That's the way they should be treated. They're not to be treated as an object. They'll be treated as a child of the Most High God. Amen. But Satan is stealing, and the church is just closing its eyes. The church is saying, you know, it's really great. We're going to get a new building, and we're going to do this, and we're going to make a playground over here. You know what? We need to be more focused on what's happening in our society. We need to awaken. We need to awaken the greatness inside of us. Caleb's life was what we need, that spirit. And in Numbers 13.30 it says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Amen. Man, where everybody else saw giants, he saw potential. I'm going to say that again. Where everybody else saw giants, he saw potential. And you know what? Because Caleb was a fighter. Caleb, so look, if God before me, who can be against me? Let's go. Look at what all God has done in my life. That's why in Christmas Eve, you need to review what God's been doing in your life. It'll give you strength for what he's about to take you into. But if you're not writing it, if you're not journaling it, you're not writing down the favor of God, you're going to be like, oh, I don't know, that's, that's a pretty big giant. I've never taken, no one in my family's ever taken on that before. He was a fighter. He had a spirit of advancement. Even Caleb's daughter received that spirit because in Joshua 15, verses 18 and 19, and it says, And it came to pass as she came unto him, this is the daughter coming to, jo uh, to Caleb, that she moved him to ask of her father a field, and she dismounted off her donkey, and Caleb said unto her, What is it what do you wish? In verse 19, she answered, She said, Give me a blessing. You, you don't understand. The, the women in this generation, in this time, did not have that boldness, okay? You were not given land and property. She was given land, and she says, If you for you have given me the south land which, if you look this up, there wasn't life on that land. There were no springs and waters. She realized this. The dad was kind of appeasing her, and she goes, Dad, give me this land. This land has water. And he said, and he gave unto her the upper springs and the lower springs. You see, what happens is this. When you have an excellent spirit in you, and you have a spirit of advancement, people will want to be around you. And it rubs off on people. And the more that you're around people who are can-do, you become more can-do. The more that people says this won't happen, you become it more won't happen. That's why you need to surround yourself with people who will build you up and not tear you down. That when they hear your dreams, they're going to encourage you. When you're asking for prayer, they're going to say, let me tell you what God has done in my life. That builds up your faith. Not, wow, that's pretty serious. See, there is no sickness that is too great for God. Amen. There is no sickness too great for God. I have been in the hospital before. I have had a negative report given over to me. But praise God, I am here today, 40-something years after that negative report, and it didn't manifest in my body. Dino was, said, hey, you have cancer. You're gonna, it, this is not good. You led us really well today in worship. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. But we have to get that excellent spirit inside of us. 
There is enough negative out there. The world is full of negative. They need to see the goodness inside of you. Your co-workers need to hear about the goodness of God. Your schoolmates need to hear about the goodness of God. Your neighbors need to hear about the goodness of God. Well, somebody else will do it. Well, maybe God is sending you. Maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe that's why this scripture has been spoken over this church. Just saying. Caleb was bold. You see what I love about Caleb? Caleb was faith motivated. Caleb was not fear motivated. Amen. I'm going to let a dramatic pause happen right here because I want you to think about that. Faith motivated or fear motivated? You are going to be one of the two. Fear is either going to be your motivation or faith is. But you cannot straddle the boat. I would much rather be faith motivated than fear motivated because fear will kill you. It will strangle you. I have been bound by fear in the past and I've broken fear. Faith is unlimited. Proverbs 28 verse 1, talking about Caleb being bold, says, The wicked flee when no man pursues them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Some of you need to say, I need that boldness in my life, Pastor. You tell me to go do these things, but I just don't do them on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday. So, Lord, would you give me that boldness as a lion? Caleb had a spirit of perseverance. He had to wait 40 years for everyone to die off so that he could get his promise. Because what God was saying is, you know what? Everybody over this age is not going to get your inheritance. Because you murmured and you complained and you were disobedient. Cutting you off. Except for Al, you're going to get it. Bill, I'll give it to you. Audrey, you're going to... And see what happened is they had to last. But when we read, Caleb had the strength all during those 40 years that he had as a young man. Also, if you study, Caleb was not moved by peer pressure. When everybody else was saying this couldn't happen, you know that Caleb had to hear all the negative reports when they were walking back. What are you, what's your report going to be? Uh, yeah, I heard that. I think we can do it. Really? He hadn't heard the negative reports. How would you like to be standing in a group, there's 12 of you in your corporation, and they're giving a report, and 10 of them says, we shouldn't do this, and you're going to get out and say, I think we should buy that company. Just think about this. Sometimes we have to bring it into today's situation. Oh, I'm not going to say we're going to buy this company because 10 others don't think we should do it. He was not impressed by them. He was impressed by God. We have to be more impressed by God than what we're seeing around us. And what's happening is the world around us is just seeing the world. They're not seeing God through us. Caleb was also means, his word means praise. He was of the tribe of Judah, which is praise. Jesus was the tribe of Judah. What's talking about is that it's praise through your circumstance that's going to bring the presence of God. The praise through your circumstance is what's going to bring the presence of God. But one of, a lot of times when we are going through a difficult time, we shut down. We just want to focus on the bad news. We just want to focus on the hurt, the bitterness, the anger, the how could they? And what he's saying is, praise me. I don't feel like praising you. Praise me. All right, raise your hands. I'm raising my hands, God, but I'm still not praising you. Okay. All right. I'm still mad, God. I'm still hurt. But I do love you. 
now. This is called breakthrough. You see, because I don't want to have my hands raised at this time. I'd rather have my hands raised this way. And this is saying, God, I'm surrendering this to you because you are greater than this situation. You are greater than that person. You are greater than the, the consequences that are happening around me. God is forcing your way into praise. And all of a sudden, God says, man, I love that. Watch. Whoosh. But you have to raise those hands in faith. You have to press forward. You have to forget about everything that Satan is trying to pollute your mind with and saying, I am going to look to the author and finisher of my faith. Amen. Numbers 14.24 says, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and has followed me fully, him will I bring into this land in which he went and his descendants shall possess it. When we look at Joshua 14 now, verses 10 and 13, it says, And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive and has said these forty and five years, even since the Lord spoke this word unto Moses and the children of Israel, wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. Even yet, I am as strong as the day I was in the day that Moses sent me. Man. How would you like to be the same feeling right now, the same way 45 years from now? Hmm? You may say, I don't feel that great now. Wait till 45 years from now. As my strength was then, even so my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. And now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day now how Anakin were there and that the cities were great and fortified. If so, be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord has said. He still had a positive can-do attitude 45 years later. And Joshua blessed him and gave, uh, gave unto Caleb the son of Jebeneth, Hebron, for an inheritance. He said, okay, go. It's time. Your alarm clock just went off, Caleb. I've kept your engine running just as strong as the day I told you this 45 years ago. Now go. And I bet Caleb ran at that mountain. I bet Caleb ran at that mountain because of the strength. Awakening. Awakening means to come out of a state of sleep, to stop sleeping, to become alert, to stir up, to come to life. Hopefully all of you awoke this morning. You're completely conscious. You're mentally perceptive. You're watchful. You're alert. You're aware. That's what's being awakened in us. You see, I think that, that life has, in a way, put us to sleep. When times are difficult, we lose our passion. When we lose our passion, we lose our vision. Life becomes just a routine. It will never change. It will always be this way. I will always be stuck this way. That's not what God is telling you. That's what the world is telling you. When things happen the way we don't think they should happen, we get discouraged. When we get discouraged, then all of a sudden our faith becomes weak. And when our faith becomes weak, we go into a spiritual sleep. We're going through the actions. We're, we're here, but we're not awakened. We know that God is good, but we haven't seen that this week. We know that there's great scriptures out there, but we're just kind of, oh, I'll read them later. I should listen to great worship music, but man, this country music is better. 
Nothing wrong, country music. I just pick that out. I pick on rap earlier, so I pick on country. All right? It's what we're choosing. And when this happens, our faith becomes weak and there's a tendency to slip into a slumber. And I believe that we're at a critical point as a church. This year is going to determine whether we stay spiritually asleep or whether we wake up and become all that God wants us to be. I believe that there's been a strong spirit of slumber that it's time to awaken. A spirit of boldness, a spirit of faith, a spirit of patience, perseverance, commitment, to be prepared to praise through any circumstance, to praise through any situation. That's what God has called us. He has called us to pray and praise through any situation. You see, Romans 13, 11 tells us this, and this, knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we believed. That scripture is saying, you know what? The world is becoming very dark. And the light of Christ lives in us. And it's time for us to awaken. It's time for us to love people the way we've never loved them before. It's time for us to serve people the way we've never served before. It's time for us to pray for our country, for our families, for our friends, like we've never prayed before. That's how we go into spiritual warfare. And not just say, well, somebody else will do that. One of those big mega churches, that's what God's going to do everything through the big mega church. God didn't start in mega churches, God started in homes. And I truly believe that as things get more difficult, it's going to go back to the homes. Okay? Read the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts. When there is a terrorist attack on one of these mega campuses and nobody wants to go there, guess what? They're going to want to go to Don and Kathy Lowe's house. Because, man, I, I want prayer. I want to be around believers. I want around people who are going to build me up and not tear me down. I want a people that I can share what God is speaking to me or for them to be praying for me. But I need them. I need to get together. That's why God wants us to get together and not be out there lone rangering it by ourselves. And there are strong men and women of God. But as I close, Jonah was called by God and sent... But do you know that he was sleeping in a boat while the storm was going on around him? Jonah was sleeping in a boat when there were storms going on around him. And you say, oh, I would never be able to sleep in a storm like that. I'm sure that boat was going all over the place. But are we not sleeping right now when there is a storm going on around us in our society? And there's a storm going on around us in our schools? There's a storm going on around us in social media? There are sexual predators out there. We have to be alert of so many things. I've told you many times, man, when I was a kid, I would ride my bike. I must have rode my bike 20 miles every day. Nowhere in particular, just out there riding. Man, I just rode. I had a flag on a stick. I had a banana seed, and I was the coolest thing in Tampa, Florida, okay? But you know what? My mom never worried about that. But unfortunately, today is a day that I don't let my kids just go out if they were of that age and just ride their bikes. Now we have cell phones. We have GPS trackers. We know where they are. But back then, there was no GPS tracker. My mom didn't know where I was. Times have changed. Television has changed. Music has changed. 
Social media has changed. Our world is changing every day. And it's not slowing down. There is an agenda by Satan to destroy your life. There is a, an agenda by Satan to destroy your family. To get into your thoughts and to discourage you. To destroy everything good in your life. Because that's what John 10.10 10 said. But we're to awaken. We're to pray. We're to be the watchmen on the walls and say there's something coming. Let's all gather and pray. That's what God has called us when he said, Isaiah 60, to arise, to get up from your sleep, and to shine. And how do we shine? We allow God to shine through us. This is what's happening in the spiritual war. But today, somebody may say, Mark, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't have that relationship with Christ. I have never really prayed much in the past. Or, and the greatest deceptive lie that Satan will give you is, you've done too much, God will never love you. God loves you regardless of who or what you've done. God loved you so much that he came into the filth of our lives while we were sinners, while we were on drugs, on alcohol, in sin and darkness, in places that we should have never even been in the first place. And you hear that voice saying, God loves you. God wants to be a part of you. But you know what? It takes an invitation. And that invitation comes from asking Christ into our lives. You see, you will never get into heaven just because of your good looks or the amount of money that you give to the church. Or, while I let more people pull out on Cooper than anyone else, that is not going to get you into heaven. Works will never get you into heaven. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship with Jesus Christ comes to a point when you're willing to say, God, I'm messing up my life and I need a Savior. Not, God, I just want life insurance that if I ever happened to die today, I'd go to heaven. Do you remember the Valentines we used to get at school? I mean, I used to when we were kids. And man, you used to get like 20 or 30 of them, okay? And it would be like a little train that says, I choo choo choose you, you know? But it wasn't really deep, okay? Now I got them from everybody in my class. There was no meaning to that. They didn't love me. Now, if you want to read a great Valentine, you should read the one that Kristen wrote to me last week. Woo! That's 25 years of being married. You see, it's the same. Sometimes people would just say, yes, Jesus, come into my life. And that's just those cheap Valentines. There was no meaning. There was no sentiment behind it. And then every once in a while, there's a me that's being bowed saying, God, I've so messed up my life. And I need you. Please come and save me. Help me. Heal this broken body. And that's the prayer that really gets God's attention. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'm going to ask that everybody say a prayer here in a few minutes. But before I ask you to pray this prayer, I want you to realize that Christ loves you. God loves you. Your life has value. You are worth something. And Satan has lied to you. And he has deceived you. And he has tried to trick you. And here's your opportunity to ask Christ into your heart. Pastor, will everything just be great right afterwards? No. <laughs> because Satan is going to come after you. But you know what? Greater is he that's in you 
through Jesus Christ than he that's in this world. And it means you need to pray and ask, go for a walk with God and just talk to him. Share your hurts and disappointments, but also share your dreams with God. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and he rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I am saved. Amen. Now, if you said that for the first time, or you just really weren't sure where you were with Christ, you need to tell somebody. I, I meant that prayer, Mark. Tell somebody on your, that you're sitting with. I, I said, I meant that prayer today. Pray for me this week because I've made a change. I have awakened up out of my spiritual slumber. And I want God to shine through me. That's what we're called to do. We're called to pray for each other. We're called to encourage each other. This year is going to be a defining moment for our church. Are we ready to wake up? Or are we ready to hit the snooze? You see, the children of Israel hit the snooze and never walked into their inheritance. Caleb was like, hey, I'm all ready. Let's go. We need that spirit of Caleb. We need to awaken the greatness inside of us. I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss today. So if you'd please stand. I want to thank you for coming. I want to invite you to this Thursday night. This Thursday night... Um, starts an eight-week series. So, so don't feel like, oh, I'll wait till June or July to join. It'll be over by then. It's phenomenal teaching. It's going to change your life. It's going to radically change the way you see the Spirit of God residing inside of you. According to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for coming.